Talent wins games, but teamwork wins championships. Welcome to A Players, the podcast where we'll tell you how to target, hire, retain, and train top performers for your team. If you're looking for applied ML, look for people who are excited by applied ML and who want to do applied ML. If you're looking to push state of the art with research and that's your team, then yes, then go for people that are interested in research, that are interested in pushing the state of the art and that have demonstrated it already. So not being pulled by shiny and being very thoughtful about what do I need and then going after that pool because I've seen it fail if you don't pay attention to that specifically in ML. I am Robin Choi, CEO at HireSuite, and we are sourcing automation software that helps 900 tech companies hire the best talent. Add me and follow me now on LinkedIn if you want to keep an eye on us. Hey everyone, today we're having Madrura, and Madrura will be telling us about hiring not team of A players, but hiring A teams, and especially with a more machine learning and artificial intelligence focus. So welcome on A players, Madura. Can you tell us more about yourself, about your background and about your thesis on hiring A teams and teams of A players? Sounds good. Hi, Robin. Hi, everybody. Very excited to be discussing how to build A teams for machine learning. In terms of my background, I've spent a couple of decades in different product teams across my career at Sun Microsystems, where we build Java Platform, the language that hopefully most of you still love and adore. Then I was at Adobe for building a brand new product for designers for two to three years. And my last almost decade now at Workday were the first three years I spent migrating UI platforms and then the last six years building out our ML efforts where we took ML teams from zero to shipping multiple ML services that have referenceable customers where our customers are getting value from the ML services we have built and shipped and have scaled. And the specific part I want to call out is, this is probably a coincidence, but (laughs) all these years and my last decade, I've been hiring every single year, some years, 50%, 100% team growth while we were all uh, trying to build and ship products. So hiring and building a teams, I've gotten a lot of practice around it and um, have learned a lot from not doing it right in the beginning and then honing uh, specific practices where it's now uh, art and science and um, hence very happy to talk about that subject. Mm. And what I liked when we prepared that episode is you really seem to consider hiring as a core component of your job, even in a large company like Workday, where you could expect that the hiring teams would do the work for you. Actually, for you, it's the opposite. You have to really work with the recruiting teams, with the talent team, and you have to own the recruiting yourself as the hiring manager, right? Definitely. I've never had success just depending on the recruiting team to build out my teams and a very simple reason behind it, I believe. The network that we're trying to hire from or the skill set or the people that we're trying to hire, they're in our network, not necessarily in our recruiting team's network. So unless you're very intentional about accessing your network, building relationship, continuing to grow your existing relationships, 
you won't be able to attract hire and bring in the right people because they sit in your network and you can't expect your recruiting teams to source these candidates and specifically passive candidates yeah and so here we're talking about machine learning data science but that's also the case in mostly all engineering teams right yep yeah that is definitely the case in any engineering team that you're trying to hire Okay. So first message is uh, if you're a hiring manager, then you have to be involved in, in recruiting. You have to think about it and be strategic about it. Also, another thing we discussed is because of the, let's say, mostly recent nature of the job of machine learning, there are a lot of new jobs, new skills to learn. And so it's also even harder for the recruiting teams, for the talent teams to understand what kind of profiles do you exactly need. And I know that's even more the case in this new field of machine learning AI. So how do you tackle this? And what's your role as a hiring manager to help the talent teams and to help define exactly the role of, of the person you're looking for? So when we began our journey with building out the ML teams and building the products in the industry, outside of some of the big players who were doing machine learning for years, most of the rest of the industry was still trying to figure out what kind of roles you need to be able to build machine learning teams. And when we started our journey, over time, we realized there is at least, I would say, three different flavors that we kind of differentiated when it came to data science or machine learning. There is the basic data scientist, which stayed for us within more analytics or people that knew data science that could do analytics, serving some of our internal machine learning leads. And for example, we built a product, internal product, where our marketing teams that sell Workday products, they wanted to get a better understanding of which leads are the right leads to go pursue for selling our products. So we built an internal product that gave the predictions around which leads for marketing would be the right ones to pursue. Now, if you're doing internal data science projects like these, the skills that you require is mainly just data science. And there isn't as much of engineering element of skill within that role. So we have a profile that is uh, just data science uh, skill set related to our internal uh, projects and internal ML pieces. Then the other profile that we started looking for and I realized we needed, which was mainly our org, the machine learning products org, was people that have data science background and people that also have engineering background to be able to build, deploy maintainable, scalable machine learning services and products. So the other job profile that we ended up developing a career framework around, we called it machine learning engineers. I know there's different companies that are using a different term, but this profile essentially requires you to have data science skills and also engineering skills. And this is a very hard profile to fill a role for. And the way we ended up building out talent for this particular profile, which is the main one we require for our org, is we either hired people who had really deep data science background, had done some coding, and we trained them by bringing them on to the team. And we had uh, solid engineers on the team 
which helped mentor and grow those people to be machine learning engineers. And we also went at it from the other side, which is some of our existing software engineers, they were interested in machine learning and they were interested in developing this, the data science ML skills to move to the MLE track. So again, we help these people gain the uh, skills and also the experience with their data science counterparts so they could become MLE. So we kind of found people in both the pools and help them develop the other side of the skill set to develop more and more machine learning engineers within the team. And it is very hard to find MLEs in the market that have solid experience building and shipping products. So for us, we had to train most of our MLEs in-house. Now it's becoming easier because more and more companies have experience building machine learning products, but the initial years, um, you couldn't find experienced MLEs in the market. There were only few that weren't really moving around. So we ended up building out our expertise by training um, both data scientists and uh, engineers to be MLEs. Okay. And so you mentioned there were three different flavors. So the first one is basic data science. Second one is machine learning engineers. Uh, Did I miss the third one? The third one is probably not even machine learning, but I know a lot of people claim uh, to be data scientists, machine learning, but it's mainly just basic analytics expertise. So data, understanding data, being able to visualize data, being able to uh, pull out insights and do analytics on it. There is a lot of people that fit in that category. And I mention it because if you're hiring you need to be aware that are these real data scientists or MLEs or these are just people that are good at looking at data, exploring data, pulling out, building out analytics, visualizations out of it because there is that role which I wouldn't consider something that you can leverage for building ML products. But we do see a lot of people that have this background which claim to be doing data science or ML, but it's not the one that at least is useful for us. I would say, though, you could look at these people and if they're eager and willing to help them grow the skills, um, both the deeper data science, uh, machine learning and engineering, if they're willing, but it'll just be a longer road. Hmm. Are those people more, how would you call them, data analysts? It's more. So whenever you look at a profile, I I just ignore the titles that people use and I just focus on, okay, tell me what you did. Describe to me the type of projects you did. And that generally then helps you understand, okay, do they have the experience I am looking for, for what my team is trying to do? So I ignore the titles and different people, like I was saying, we call it the machine learning engineers, MLEs, but I've heard different terms used by different teams. That's another reason I just don't look at title. I just look at the type of work they have done and then walk through in detail. Okay, what did it involve? Right? Did you end up deploying it? And what technology stack you used? Was it the public cloud, private cloud? Um, did you end up building monitoring for it? So just going deep into their work is the only way I've found I can map whether what they have done maps to what my team is trying to do. Mm. 
And so what I like from this approach, and that's also the focus for this episode, is you're basically saying we can't only hire A players in the sense of we also need to assemble a team of people will need to progress together. And in the end, there will be together a team, an A team, but each one of them might not be the best person, but still they train on one specific aspect because of the ever-changing nature of these roles, right? Yes, yes, definitely. And just to reiterate that point, when I'm hiring, I'm not looking to hire one person. I'm looking at my entire team. I'm looking at what business problem are we tasked to solve and then figuring out based on who I have today, what's that next best skill set I need to make my team whole and make my team a team. And whenever someone leaves, that's the other thing that's very common. I'm sure my fellow ML leaders (laughs) will relate to this, the demand and supply or the skill set, the ratio is really off. And what that means is there is churn on your team. I've, I've accepted that as just a fact for me, which mm-hmm. means you know, one of the things that we discussed it is I'm always hiring. Whether I have headcount or not, I'm always hiring because the kind of churn you see specifically in this domain is higher because um, there is just a lot more people that are looking for the skill set than there is supply, the MLEs specifically. So I'm always hiring. And whenever someone leaves, I take a look at my team and try to figure out, okay, now that I have a slot, at this point in time, what is that next best person we can bring in to make the team whole? And then you go with your intentional hiring process to bring in the next best person to make the team whole. And, and how do you do that exactly? Is there any framework or recipe that you use again and again? They seem like very basic things, but I am very diligent with using intentional process for my hiring whenever I'm trying to fill a stop. And one of the biggest things that I've realized if I don't follow this is my own biases take over, my own ways of stereotyping people take over and I might not hire the best person for the job. And I'll call out some of the specifics that I use when I'm hiring is first and foremost, laying down what capabilities are you looking for for that next hire for you. Sitting down and actually going through that process for yourself before you even look at resumes and candidates, um, that's very critical. And when I sit down and figure out what capabilities I need, We all want a lot of things, ideally, in the person that you're bringing in, but you never find that unicorn. So Mm -hmm. the other thing that I started doing then in my own thinking and also on the job description I put out is I separate out my must-haves and my nice-to-haves. And people have probably heard of the research and statistic around, for example, when you look at gender, men apply for job positions if they qualify for 60%, even 60%. Mm. And women apply for job positions where they meet the 100% of the listed requirements. So if you want applicants from non-majority pool or minority pool, then it's a good idea for you to keep your must-have to the bare minimal that you consider for the role. So your applicants are a wider pool and put everything that is truly nice to have into nice to have 
So I started doing that when I'm thinking about what capabilities I'm looking for, skill set capabilities. And then my job descriptions also reflect that, which is I try to keep the must-haves to minimal set. And then nice to have is where all the other stuff goes in. For example, CS degree or PhD in stats, for me, that goes in nice-to-haves. And because I have a lot of people that don't have that and they're doing amazing on the two, they're self-taught. They haven't really gone and done these specific degrees. One person had even come from agriculture degree. So I know as a fact that some of the highest performing people I've had don't have a CS degree or they don't have a PhD in stats uh, necessarily. So I look at all the different skill or capability that I'm trying to hire for and be very strict about keeping my must-have to a minimal. And you can just think of your best performers in the past and that will help you decide if a particular thing should be in must-have or nice-to-have. And that has definitely helped me. So that's one big one I started doing. The other one is training your people for how to interview well and training your people to do results-based interviewing. The stuff we were talking about earlier, which is ask people to demonstrate if there is a specific thing that you're looking for. Don't ask them trick questions. You're not trying to make them fail. You're trying to just understand, have a conversation with them to see whether what you're looking for, they've demonstrated that in the past. And for example, we look for people that have ideally, for my senior roles, that have shipped ML services end-to-end. So they were responsible for problem framing, for figuring out the right metrics, for doing the modeling, training, validation, for deploying the service, for doing the necessary things to monitor it, and experimentation associated with trying out different models. So if I'm looking for someone who's had experience doing this, then my question to them is going to be, have you had an experience in the past where you built and deployed, monitored, and did a machine learning service end-to-end? And let them speak. So that's the pattern to use for anything that you're trying to assess, which is the capability or the skills that you're looking for ask them for an example where they have demonstrated that particular thing. And that generally helps in getting really specific details about whether someone demonstrated it or not. And just ask deeper questions to make sure they're not spitting out things from something they might have read, but they've actually done the work. And one of the questions that one of my colleagues gave, which I personally like is, tell me about the specific, most interesting signals that you found for this particular model to perform well, which was counterintuitive. So ask questions that tell you whether somebody's skill set and knowledge is deep or they're just surfing on the surface or not. So building out that list of questions and helping your team interview well. We also have, we repeat the same set of questions with all the candidates. So again, to put out bias, that's another specific thing, which is, If somebody's testing them on ML, somebody's testing them on engineering, somebody's testing them on whether they're the fit for the attributes we look for in people, then there is a set of questions that, uh, regardless of who's interviewing for that particular sort, that, that is the set of questions we use for all candidates. So that way we have a really 
apple to apple comparison between the entire set of candidates that we interviewed for that particular position. So these are some of the ones that I can think of as we talk more. If I remember more, I'll share. Do you also have a coding interview, whiteboard exercises, or is it only asking questions about what people have done in the past? So when we used to bring candidates in-house, I guess, <laughs> but I'm not a fan of a whiteboard for interviewing because that's not how you work. Uh, whiteboarding system design is perfectly a good way to figure out system design chops or ML systems design chops because that's how you are going to do it with your team where you try to whiteboard, okay, what are the main blocks for my um, ML system and how do I think about it? So for that one, whiteboard is good, but for how good are they at programming, my preferred method is uh, pair programming. So if you mm -hmm. have the time, set out an example code base where it's a common problem that anybody can relate to and ask them to build out one specific sub piece within that module, give them enough help where somebody's checking in every hour or so in case they're stuck, because that's what you do in a team, right? If somebody's stuck, you kind of ask them questions so they can move further as this person is already intimidated by um, interviewing. So giving them something where they can do work the way they would, and then being a good teammate where you're checking in on them during the interview. The more important piece for me is having Things like uh, ask them to write at least one or two unit tests, ask them to debug a failing test within that module. I know it takes time to actually do this because we had to consider having a laptop from IT, setting up with these pieces, and also giving them options for languages. So you'll have to consider all these aspects, but it's investment worth making so that you're trying to assess as much as what their real day would look like and how they do when they're trying to program in a real setting. So my preferred method is that. It's a lot of work, but I do think it's a better way to compare it to what they might do day to day. Right. And do you do this yourself? Do you work with the person taking the interview and do you help them with the percoding exercise or do you have someone in a team do it? So hiring is a team event for me. And we generally, so let's say our senior ICs would work with other engineers that are interested in being part of setting up hiring processes. They would work as a SWAT team to figure out, okay, what is the problem we choose? How do we deal with if someone is not familiar with this language, that language? So the team generally will come up with this and then we discuss it to say, okay, is this going to work? What problems might come in play and then we tweak as we go based on the reaction that the interviewer might have okay okay so you talked about defining the role then writing the job description and how you try to keep the required fields to the bare minimum and how you give the interview and then the person reaches the end of the process and now you extend an offer. Do you have any advice on conversion, on improving the conversion, making sure the person will sign your offer and not another company's, knowing that again, so you're based in the Bay Area, so one of the most competitive places on earth <laughs> for this kind of talent. So conversion is a huge part as well. Do you have any advice on this? Do you have? Yeah, conversion for me, speed is critical. 
That's one factor. So uh, moving through the process for them and giving them the best experience they can have, um, being very respectful, of course, and moving through fast. I've seen that to work well. If it's senior roles, I definitely spend a lot of time just helping them understand. It's not senior roles, but for senior roles, I definitely make sure I do this before ideally when we go into the interview process which is helping them understand what this team is trying to do, what the vision is, what role they will play in realizing the vision, um, getting them excited about what we are doing or not, right? If you have a conversation with a senior person that is considering your team, you're talking about the vision, you're talking about what this team is tasked to do, and if they're not excited about, it's completely fine and they might not want to move forward which is a good thing for both parties so that you're not wasting anybody's time. But setting the stage and getting them excited, and hopefully they do get excited by what the team is doing, and then we move forward to the process, move through it as fast as we can, treat them respectfully through the entire process, and then if it goes to our first stage, go in with your best foot forward and try to see if that materializes. Okay. So I expect you're currently hiring a lot and then deep in those processes and uh, deep in that today. And probably you've been given a lot of advice to other machine learning managers and executives trying to build their teams as well. What's the top three advice that you give to those people? One of them is, we already discussed some of them. One of them is hiring as a team event. Definitely engage, involve in your team in forming the process, figuring out what exactly is that the capabilities that you're looking for for hiring and also leveraging your network and your team's network to try to get as diverse a pool that you can through your pipeline. The second one, I would say always be hiring, whether you have a headcount open or not. The best way for you to build a diverse team from what I've seen is already having a warm pipeline of candidates that you know from your network, from your team's diverse network before you actually open up that rep. So always be hiring and having some people that you're, you're kind of keeping warm is key. And the third one that we discuss multiple things around is very, uh, be very intentional with everything you do when it comes to hiring and as a leader, if you're not from uh, the underrepresented minority pool, then use somebody in your team or somebody in your network that is a minority to kind of walk through your process and get their feedback on what are the blind spots that you have so that you can tweak it. And even if you don't know what might be problematic, just leverage people you know that are from diverse background so that you can have a really good hiring process. Okay, understood. Well, thanks a lot. It's already been 30 minutes, so great discussion. A uh, lot of advice and what I like, a lot of very practical advice for people building engineering teams, especially. So thanks a lot, it was great. Do you have any final words, any final advice? The one thing I say, which is specific to ML, is make sure you're hiring for what you need and don't get pulled away by shiny things. So when I say that is, there are some teams that are trying to do applied ML and I've seen them not be intentional with what they need and going after people that have big names who are potentially talent magnets. They've done a lot of, they've pushed 
state of the art, but you're trying to hire them for um, your team. But is that what you really need? And I've seen some of those hires be fails because the person that you're bringing in wants to do something else. They want to push the state of the art, but that's not the task for that particular team. And the mismatch can get everybody in trouble. So with ML, that's something to specifically watch for, which is if you're looking for applied ML, look for people who are excited by applied ML and who want to do applied ML. If you're looking to push state-of-the-art with research and that's your team, then yes, then go for people that are interested in research, that are interested in pushing the state-of-the-art and that have demonstrated it already. So not being pulled by shiny and being very thoughtful about what do I need and then going after that pool because I've seen it fail if you don't pay attention to that specifically in ML. Right. And it also comes down to... Don't be hiring A players, but be hiring A teams. You don't necessarily need that. Yeah, understood. Thanks a lot, Madara. Great discussion and see you around then. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you, Robin. Thanks for listening to that podcast till the end. If you're still with us, it's probably that you enjoy the players. A players is brought to you by myself and Hire Suite. We are building a sourcing automation software and we already help 900 tech companies hire the best talents. To know more about us, go to www.hiresuite.com or you can add me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive and always happy to chat. The more subscribers, the best guests will host. You want to help? You can do a lot in less than 10 seconds. Please subscribe to that podcast, leave us a nice rating or review and share the podcast around you. That really, really helps. Thanks a lot and talk to you soon.